Welcome to Respect Life Radio. My name is Deacon Jeff Bennett with Catholic Charities of the Archdiocese of Denver. And remember, you can listen to all of our shows at respectliferadio.com. Today, our guest is Father Ralph Weinman. Father studied in the United States, Italy, and Germany. He obtained his licentiate degree in theology. He earned a doctorate in theology in 2010 on the thesis, Dogma and Progress in the Theology of Joseph Ratzinger. He has a new book out, Sacramentals, Their Meaning and Spiritual Use by Sophia Press Institute. Father, thanks for joining us. And I'd like to start off by asking you, how are the faithful doing in Germany with all the craziness that's going on with this Synod on Synodality? How are they faring? The faithful are really concerned about the situation of the church in Germany because there's so much confusion. So everyone is contradicting almost everyone, and the truth is somehow not anymore the point of reference. And that is a real concern. So on one side, you have the faithful, the ones who are really believing in God, and they do intensify their prayers. All they want to do is they just want to remain faithful and in communion with the universal church. But then there are also the functionaries, as I would call them, those people, it's it's a strange situation, working for the church, but somehow they do not identify anymore with the doctrine of the church. And they are causing usually these problems. So there's a lot of tension going on, and everyone is looking at Rome, and the faithful in Germany, they're hoping that the Pope will intervene, providing even more guidance. He already tried to intervene on several occasions, but yeah. They're hoping that that he will intensify this and that the dialogue continues in a good way so that all everyone stays together in the truth of Jesus Christ. Well, I didn't want to uh, sidetrack us, but I did want to ask you that question because I know you're you kind of have your finger on the pulse there. But so your new book is really, you know, quite timely and it is a reminder of the challenges that we have in our world today. So, you know, your talk about sacramentals and before we get into some of those challenges and you know, the, the challenges and the lack of faith, even within sometimes the clergy and religious that you talk about, you know, maybe we can talk a little bit about sacramentals just to remind people uh, how important they are. And in the foreword of your book, Cardinal Seurat talks about sacramentals are entrusted to the church to help us on our journey to God. And we need to constantly remind ourselves of that. And they're really not magic, are they? They really are ways to grow in faith and holiness, but we need to treat them with great reverence and faith, right? Right, exactly. That's the way how you have to treat them. That's the way how you have to use them. And that's also what I explain in the book called, as you just said, Sacramentals, their meaning and spiritual use. So there's one theoretical part, which refers to the theological foundation of the sacramentals. And then there's also a practical part, which refers to the application to the use of these spiritual means. Well, and you also talk about the effectiveness of sacramentals. And, you know, obviously it depends on Jesus Christ and acts through the Holy Spirit. But you talk about, you know, three additional factors, right? Spiritual dis- disposition of the celebrant, the spiritual disposition of the recipient, and an intercessory power of the church. And, and, and really, all three of those things need to be working in unison, don't they? Yeah, they all come together. So as you just mentioned, usually they're like these three elements. On one side, you have the minister. The minister is usually the priest, the cleric. So it could be also a deacon, could be the priest or the bishop. But these are the normal, the ordinary ministers who are administering the sacramentals. Then you have the recipients, the ones who are receiving 
the sacramental. So also a priest may receive a sacramental without any problem. So even a bishop may receive a sacramental. But anyway, the everyone depends here on the disposition, on the way you are prepared to receive the grace, because grace depends on your openness, on the way how you open yourself towards the divine grace. And then finally, there's also the intercessionary power of the church involved, the saints, the angels, and also what is like, let's say, let's call it like this, the heritage, the spiritual heritage of the church. Today, for example, or yesterday, for you, it's still today, we're celebrating St. Dominic, and St. Dominic is a great saint. So sometimes even these saints have a certain impact on sacraments or sacramentals, in this case on sacramentals. And uh, for that reason, the intercessional power of the church is of great importance whenever the sacramentals are administered. Well, and you talk about uh, the crisis of faith within the church and how important it is because we know the celebrant, right, how his disposition matters. But you talk about, you know, the crisis in the church is not only in the laity, but also the clergy. And how has that affected the understanding and use of sacramentals? Uh, because you also talk about when people's faith is weak, they, they almost treat these sacramentals as superstition and not really the, the means to grow in faith and holiness. Oh, indeed. And this has a tremendous impact on the use and the spirit and, and the meaning of the sacraments. I just provide you a brief example. For example, there, may, there are people faithful who may be wearing a St. Benedict medal or a miraculous medal. And, and that's very important. But they do not live a Christian life. So they do not live in the state of grace. They do not practice. They do not go to mass. And they say, let's say, oh, I have this medal and this medal will protect me. This medal will help. Me. Yes, the medal may have or may produce certain graces, but only if you live a life that corresponds to the commandments. So if you identify with the faith of the church and if you practice your faith, otherwise they do not have any any spiritual impact. So for that reason, when you are living in a crisis of faith, and right now we're living in a crisis of faith, then of course, this will have an impact on the sacramentals because the sacramentals were different um, than the, the sacraments. So the sacraments, just to, to remind us, they work by the mere fact that the rite is performed. So Christ is the one acting in the sacraments, in the sacraments. Concerning the sacramentals, it's different. They work due to the action of the minister, the recipient, and the prayer, the intercessory prayer of the church. So for that reason, if you approach the sacramentals without faith, without practicing your faith, then they will have not much spiritual impact. For that reason, it's so important to understand well that you have to use the sacramentals not in a magic way, but in the way as a faithful is supposed to use them actually with faith and with confidence in Jesus Christ. Well, and I think that's a great reminder because, you know, you'll see people driving in cars with rosaries hanging from the rearview mirror. You know, they think it's, it's an outward sign that they're faithful and, and somehow they think by just seeing it, you know, everything, it is magic and it's just going to rub off and they'll become more faithful. But Growing in our faith, you know, sacramentals are an important part of that, but we really have to put that effort out, right? We have to spend time in prayer. We have to spend time with the Lord, reading scripture. And you talk about sacramentals are above all really our prayer. Yeah, sacramentals 
indeed are, first of all, sacred signs. So they usually include a sacred sign. And the sacred sign usually produces, together with a formula, spiritual effects, like a spiritual kind. And they are obtained, as we've already said, through the church's intercession. So if these three elements come together, then indeed a sacramental may unfold a lot of, I mean, many, many spiritual, spiritual effects, graces as we call them as well. And, and they are very important for our daily life. So that's what you can always recommend when you use these sacramentals. They have to be used in a proper way. But once again, they consist of three elements. One is a sacred sign, as for example, the sign of the cross, the invocation of the name of Jesus Christ, and so forth. They signify effects, particular of a spiritual kind, and they're obtained through the church's intercession. Uh, and you also talk about you know, that's something that, you know, people may or may not be aware of, right? There are four categories of sacramentals. You mentioned uh, consecration and dedications, blessings, exorcisms, sacred objects and places, relics and those type of things. And so sacramentals are so much more than a rosary and a crucifix and holy water. They really are, you know, part of our faith and part of our growing in holiness. And, and it's, spread throughout the churches. Everywhere we look, we see these sacramentals, don't we? Indeed, indeed. However, when I prepared um, to, to teach this at the university and then afterwards, step by step, I started writing this book, um, I discovered that these four categories, which you just mentioned, they're very helpful to understand the sacramentals and to understand that this is a very complex reality, which is very helpful to, I mean, for, for all the faithful. And on one side, you have blessings, so many different types of blessings. Things can be blessed, but only those things which are in a certain, let's say, communion with God, because only then grace may unfold. Then you have consecrations, and consecrations, what can be consecrated? So you can consecrate a person, for example, to Our Lady. This is quite popular right now amongst some Catholics, so they consecrate themselves to Our Lady or to St. Joseph and so forth, which is a sacred heart. But you can also consecrate a church, of course, and a certain place, other places and objects. And then, of course, there are exorcisms, which um, help to liberate and provo uh, provide uh, liberation uh, from the evil, from an impact of the evil, from curses and other things. So they're very powerful sacramentals. And finally, sacred objects as oil, for example. There's a certain sacred oil you may use. In Italy, for example, there's an oil coming from the bones and the relics of St. Nicholas. And uh, it is uh, called a miraculous oil. But What's the way how you should use them? All this is explained in my book. So for that reason, I think it's very important to make this distinction between these different categories of sacramentals. And they help us, they remind us that the sacramentals are an important reality in our life. And your book does an excellent job of going into it and explaining everything that you just talked about and really giving people, you know, instead of a kind of a superficial understanding of sacramentals, really a really deep-rooted understanding, because you do talk about sacramentals have always been used, even though the name didn't come up until about the 12th century, right? 
Yeah, that is true. There's a certain development. First, they didn't know how to call them, and they called them minor sacraments. But of course, that's quite confusing, because they are not sacraments. The sacraments, as I explained before, they work in a different way. For that reason, step by step, this developed, and then they called them sacramentals. Within the name, sacramentals still reflected the sacraments somehow, but it's like small minor sacraments. But in order to avoid any type of confusion, this name sacramentals was introduced. Again, I think, you know, you do an excellent job of explaining all this, but you do also talk about how sacramentals have lost the effectiveness. And really, you you use the example of the exorcism, right? The right, the blessing has been changed. And it's almost like we have minimized that, you know, the devil, yeah, he exists, but he's not that big of a threat. We really have in our culture and even within our church, we've kind of dumbed down some of these blessings that really focused on evil and really conquering it. And so how has the sacramentals lost effectiveness because of this attitude and these changes? Um, there, there are several problems here. One is that, there's a type of denial of original sin. So God created everything within a perfect order, harmony, paradise. That's what we call paradise, a perfect order. However, through the sin, through the first sin, this order was lost. And from that moment on, a disorder is transmitted from generation to generation. And the one who disorders things is usually the devil. He does not operate with a supernatural power. Only God and the saints and angels may operate with a supernatural power, participating in God's supernatural power. But they do operate with a preternatural power, which is much more powerful than our human power. So they have a power which is superior to ours. And for that reason, the threats coming from the devil, they may be very um, serious. And the church usually distinguishes between two different types. One type is the, let's call it the ordinary action of the devil. And that makes reference, for example, to a simple temptation. So that's the normal way how the devil tempts people. Temptation. This is clearly explained in sacred scripture. Even Jesus Christ had to suffer these temptations, even though he did not give in. However, but there's also another type of work of the devil, a more powerful one, which is called infestation, vexation, obsession, or possession. So these are extraordinary actions of the devil. Also in sacred scripture, you will find references to these different forms. All this I do explain also in the book called Sacramentals, Their Meaning and Spiritual Use. I think it's important to remind ourselves of that. And, you know, we do see, if we look at our world, it's not really hard to see evil. It seems like it's everywhere. You know, we remember Pope Paul talking, the six talking about the smoke of Satan within the church. So really all these things that are happening to us, happen because the church isn't being the light that it's called to be. You, know, you talked about the, the challenges or maybe the lack of faith with some clergy and some religious. You know, we really, if we're going to lead, we need to lead by example and have a deep faith, a deep love, you know, embracing the sacramentals as prayer, bringing us closer to the Lord, and participating in the sacraments, and, and doing all these things work hand in hand, don't they? 
Yeah, that is true. It is also true that the church is nevertheless the light. However, we, let's say the ones who are living right now within the church, we are often not living in the light of Christ. But the church is much more than just the visible church we're experiencing right now in our diocese, in our parish, or so forth. Part of the church is, of course, the the the, the Almighty God, but also all the saints and all the angels. So for that reason, the church is always a very, very powerful reality. And we should not forget that this reality is stronger than the evil. Nevertheless, the evil is spreading, as you just said, strong enough in our time. We have a war here in Europe right now. The war is always the result of sin, usually, because people fight against each other. They um, kill each other. Hatred grows and so forth. And this never comes from God, who is a God of peace. For that reason, you can see that there is a presence of the evil. For that reason, it's important to intensify prayer, but also to use all these means God has given to us and entrusted to his church. And among them are the sacramentals. We also talk about, uh, you know, Pope Benedict XVI, Joseph Ratzinger, and, you know, that he, you know, affirmed that theology is not a system, nor is it an ideology, but it's a reflection upon faith. And how can we, in studying and understanding the great teachings of Joseph Ratzinger, how can that help bring clarity in our lives when everything else seems to be muddy and you know gray areas? Joseph Ratzinger can really bring that clarity to our lives, but we have to read his works and really spend time kind of meditating upon them, don't we? Yeah. Pope Benedict or Joseph Ratzinger, he called himself a cooperator of the truth. So you have to understand this correctly, cooperator, which means Jesus Christ is the truth. He is the truth. He revealed himself as the truth. He says in the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verse 6, I am the truth. So, and which is very interesting, the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. So truth for us Christians is our point of reference. Now, Joseph Ratzinger, Pope Benedict, he wanted to be a cooperator with the truth of Christ, the divine truth. And this is clearly reflected in his theology. And his theology for that reason will, especially in the future, have a tremendous impact on the re or for the renewal of the church, because it brings us back what is essential, the centrality of Jesus Christ, and he is the real light that will enlighten the world. And for that reason, I personally consider his theology as a great, great support for everyone who wants to get better know the church, the church or Jesus Christ, or even the sacramentals. But perhaps to conclude this briefly, I got a chance to talk to Pope Benedict before he passed away, so last year. And I asked him about the sacramentals because I was um, working on, on, on the conclusion of this book. And um, I asked him whether they got some, let's say, classes or formation. Meanwhile, he was preparing for the priesthood. And he denied. He said, no, no, this was not part of our formation. However, we got practical application and explanation how to use the sacramentals. But we did not have any classes and theological explanations concerning the sacramentals. For that reason also, I think that this book here is of great importance because it will provide um, help and orientation explaining the theological background 
of the sacramentals and will help the faithful, especially the priests, but everyone else who is interested in using the sacramentals to um, discover the greatness and beauty of our faith. So what was it in your maybe formation or your growth in your faith that really made you embrace and realize the importance of sacramentals? When, when did that happen and, and how has that matured over time for you? Oh, I, I, I was used to use the sacramentals from the very beginning on, but I didn't know. For example, when I was young, I was praying daily my rosary or a use the scapula and all these things. But I, I didn't realize the, the impact. I had an intuition that this is important. Then after my um, after studying theology, after my priestly ordination, and after concluding even two doctorates, teaching theology already, I realized that there is a real lack of formation concerning the sacramentals. And I realized this in the Philippines. I had to give a lecture there in the Philippines, and there was a newly ordained priest. And I asked him for his for his blessing. And I thought, okay, it's just great. You receive the blessing, you may receive an indulgence and all the other things, right? But it was too much for him almost. He didn't really know how to impart the blessing. And I was a little bit surprised. But then I discovered that, that most priests feel uncomfortable when you ask them, for example, to bless holy water or a rosary or this or that. So I discovered that, that in asking them, I discovered that they usually never receive any formation whatsoever concerning the sacramentals. Usually everyone talks about the sacraments, but not about the sacramentals. So I thought it's important to explain this not only to the theologians, to future priests and so forth, but if possible, to everyone. And that was the reason that inspired me to write this book and also to um, publish several things concerning the sacramentals so that people may rediscover the beauty and the power, the indwelling power of the sacramentals. Well, and I couldn't agree with you more. I know even going through my formation, right? It, it, it was the sacraments, obviously all these things that are very important. But at the end, they're like, you know, go buy a book of blessings because you're going to be doing blessings. And and there was a little bit of coverage on that, but not nearly to the depth that you've spoken about. And my guess is the formation of pretty much any priest. You know, it, it, it may be one class out of, you know, six years, but there isn't how deep are people really going? And I think it, it's important, again, for people to read this book to appreciate just the depth and the beauty of sacramentals and how it can really help us in our faith life. And let's be honest, in the world in which we live, we need all the help we can get, can't, don't we? Yes, yeah, that's true. We need to get any help we can get, and we have to stay together, first of all, in communion with our Lord Jesus Christ, who is the source of any grace, who is the source also of all the sacramentals. But then we have to, to, to realize also that we need to support each other praying for each other and together, so to invoke divine grace on all of us. And, you know, you said you said you met with Pope Benedict right before his passing a year or so, or, you know, before then. Um, you know, you think, you look back on his pontificate, and, you know, you knew, you knew the truth. It was, he was very clear, you know, he didn't speak in kind of roundabout ways. And now we have, you know, a pontificate where, you know, to be kind, it, ambig ambiguity is is pretty much everywhere, and it, and it really can be a distraction if we don't focus on our own faith, focus on our own prayer life. We really do 
and have to be responsible for growing in our own faith and not let those distractions, those ambiguities lead us astray or discourage us, right? That is true. Ambiguity usually does not come from God. The Holy Spirit always sends us clarity. He wants to guide us to the truth of Christ. And for that reason, he is the spirit of truth and not of confusion, chaos, or other things. For that reason, it's so important not to be confused in these days, but to stick or to stay or remain in the truth of Jesus Christ. That's that's essential. And that's also what I would recommend. Do not look at all the other things and to everything you are hearing right now, everything that is presented in the media. Just Stay and remain faithful. Read the scripture, read the tradition, read good spiritual books, these things that will encourage you to live your faith and to remain in the saving truth of Jesus Christ. Well, and the reminder is when we hear things, we measure them against scripture, right? We measure them against tradition. And so we, we just have don't, to. because somebody, have because to. somebody says something, that doesn't mean we follow it, right? We have to. Make sure that it's right. And if anything contradicts scripture, contradicts Christ, contradicts the capital T traditions of our church, we are not to follow them because that will lead us astray, right? Exactly. At the very beginning, you asked me about the situation in Germany, right, of the church in Germany and so forth. So if the faithful, the ones who really believe in Jesus Christ, would follow bishops who indicate a path that does not correspond to the real truth, then they would go astray. And for that very reason... Our criterion, our supreme criterion, is the truth of Jesus Christ. And he, this, this criterion comes to us through sacred scripture and tradition. And these are the sources which will guide us to Jesus Christ. The church usually has the duty to confirm us in the truth, in the truth that was revealed and given us through the apostle through the church and that's 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 what the church is supposed to do so this is our criterion and we have to be guided by jesus christ and his truth well and as disappointing and, and challenging as this world is inside the church and outside the church the lord doesn't will this ambiguity but he does allow it to happen and it it really gives us a chance to look at ourselves and see where am i in my faith like do i have a strong enough faith to endure and to, and to conquer this. And if not, I need to get there, right? It really gives us a chance to look inwardly to see really where we are in our growth and our faith, right? Yeah, that is, this is, this is, this is really true. And for that reason, you can also look at the catechism of the Catholic Church. There you will find guidance and precise answers. Also, when I wrote the book Sacramentals, Their Meaning and Spiritual Use, I tried to offer everyone objective criteria i think that's very important for our days since there's a lot of confusion what we need is clarity clarity because clarity is a gift of the holy spirit and that will guide us that will guide us respect life radio is produced by catholic charities in the archdiocese of denver and remember you can listen to all of our shows at respectliferadio.com